bit of a spat. So um, hopefully the energy is right now. Hopefully the listener doesn't pick up on on an energy. Anyway, there was a anger's in the air today. A forty minute spaz attack. Yeah, we just had a bit of a spurg. Um, there was just there was an unnecessary disagreement around terms uh, antenatal care versus prenatal care, um, and then it got ugly. But um, anyhow, I think water under the bridge. Usually, things are ugly when you're around, Doctor T. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're we're arguing semantics. Okay, I'd like to let's get into the the meat of the topic, which is routine care during pregnancy. Okay, antenatal care, prenatal care, synonyms as far as I'm concerned. So. <sighs> You have a patient. She calls you. She says, "Doc, I'm I'm knocked up. I had uh, ovulatory sex, um, approximately, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, six weeks ago. My last menstrual, the first day of my last menstrual cycle, was approximately two months ago. What do I do? What What do I do? Any first ideas about uh, a, a patient?" Uh, reporting a missed period and, and a patient who's had ovulatory sex. Well, is so her sex during estrus? Has she had pregnancy tests? Yeah, so she said, yeah, doc, I peed on a stick and it's positive. I think I'm pregnant. It's chaos. <laughs> well, I, I guess you could ask her, uh, like, what her thoughts are around the pregnancy or, you know, this birthing person's thoughts are around the pregnancy. Are they, you know, like, were they trying to get pregnant? Were they planning on this? Have they ever been pregnant before? Um, you know, how much... Are they in good terms with the father? Yeah, are, are they in good terms with the father? Uh, asking about, you know, what they know about pregnancy. The seminal, the seminal donor, excuse me. Yep, sorry, go ahead. Right, we want to use the correct terminology here. Um, I'm sensing a little bit of more violence from... Uh, from uh, Dr. P, but anyhow. Father is a bit too humanizing in terms. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. We, we want to use the term partner. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, ask about uh, gynae history as well. Uh, you know, we, we want to have our full background on this person. Um, and I guess after, after those conversations, we can ask about uh, things like uh, risk factors. So are they a smoker? Do they drink alcohol? Um, what kind of medications are they taking? Yeah, so it, it, I think those risk, pack, risk factors are really important, um, uh, especially active smoking, any uh, teratogenic meds. Right, yeah. So certainly take a look at any contraindicated medications. Antihypertensives, you know, antiepileptics can certainly be contraindicated. Antidepressants as well as antipsychotics, uh, lithium. Uh, you know, you want to you want to watch out for anything that will result in any sort of teratogenicity. Mm -hmm. And some room drugs as well as well as, uh, as skin uh, medications. Remember any retinols. Uh, you know, technically topicals should be fine, but certainly any oral um, um, retinoid 
uh, is is absolutely contraindicated. And if they even conceived on some of these teratogens, it becomes a discussion about the the risk to uh, current pregnancy. Right. Um, other routine questions uh, in anticipation of pregnancy. Yeah. So of course, you know, was it? Uh, expected had there been any drinking uh, significant drinking uh, during conception um, have you been taking prenatal vitamin locally the recommendation is six months prior to conception uh, folks should be taking prenatal vitamin right. so you know has this pregnancy otherwise been optimized and then that yeah that those uh, that uh, GT pal uh, history uh, pap status uh, dates of last menstrual first day of last menstrual cycle as and importantly whether or not they were regular um, in our according to our local guidelines um, you should offer all women dating ultrasound if they're if it's accessible uh, dating ultrasound is more accurate more predictive of uh, uh, or better predictive of uh, delivery date than is uh, than our subsequent uh, a pregnancy wheel. <laughs> What's that? It's more accurate. Wheel. It's more accurate than our pregnancy wheel, which yeah. is uh, you, you basically add two hundred eighty days or four, forty weeks uh, from the first day of the last menstrual period to get that uh, expected due date. At least it's cheaper. <laughs> it is cheaper and that's no and it's funny that that you mentioned that because for a while we were like yeah well if they were regular in terms of their periods um and you're they were confident about their dates you could defer dating ultrasound that's no longer the case so we routinely recommend dating ultrasound which is normally done around uh eight weeks uh optimally quick note on the uh, uh supplementation uh, the big ones to think about is folate, which uh, uh, deficiency in that can result in neural tube defects. Uh, and iodine is the other one they ask on exams. So that's important for our thyroid and brain development. Um, I think most folate preparations have iodine as well. Uh, but in, in general, pregnancy kind of pregnancy multivitamins can come in quite handy. Yeah. So in terms of, so you bring your poor lady in. Okay, I'll come. I'll come into the clinic. This is this is chaos. <laughs> and so you see her, you see her in clinic, and she's um she uh she's there and she's nervous and it's her first baby, um and she she wants to keep it. She wants to keep the baby. Um, it's it was conceived with premarital sex, uh, ovulatory. Um, ew. But, um, ew. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. She's She has a good relationship. Uh, she's not sure who the father is, but the, the father, the, you know, her, her, her long-term partner, um, uh, uh, her common-law partner is the presumed father. So she has a good relationship with him, uh, which is good. Um, so th she wants to proceed with the pregnancy. So you you suggest some routine uh, blood work. Um, unnecessary to do uh, confirmatory, uh, confirmatory um, beta. However, I, I think commonly we'll dip uh, urine to confirm pregnancy um, because we're sending urine uh, for culture. So routinely at that first appointment, you're going to collect uh, your CBC 
uh, your your group uh, in screen. Um, CBT is relevant because anemia is is a common, you know, modifiable risk factor in pregnancy, and there's a dilutional anemia that occurs um, physiologically as pregnancy progresses. And if they get low, that is, you know, especially hemoglobins in the 110 range or lower, there's always risk of syncopal episode, right? And fall during pregnancy can be serious. So iron supplementation is uh, is important. A lot of the, the prenatal pills will have iron, which of course can predispose to constipation. Pregnancy with increased uh, progesterone is also a risk factor for constipation. So oftentimes they'll split the iron into a two uh, dose per day pill. Um, which is a little bit more expensive, but be aware that that's available to you. Other blood work that's relevant are all of your infectious serologies, including Hep B, syphilis, HIV, uh, rubella, uh, and um, with your urine, you're also going to do a, CB, a, a, a CNS and gonorrhea and chlamydia. One thing that you can consider, and I, I must say that I'm doing it more often, uh, especially in obese women, is um, TSH as well as A1C. So there's interesting, This is there's new guidelines, and this is from the States, so a lot of you will be familiar with this. I think it's the American Preventative Care Task Force who is now recommending um, uh, diabetes screening at age 35, which, of course, will capture a lot of your your pregnancies, we used to call them geriatric pregnancy. It's probably the average age of pregnancy among most of our peers now. Um, so uh, consider sending off that A1C for diabetes screening as well. And then thyroid, uh, it's not done routinely in our local guidelines. With that said, it's a, a, a very important modifiable risk factor for uh, things like cognitive uh, you know, uh, developmental delay. So optimizing that in pregnancy can be important. Nice. That's, uh, that's the diagnosis everyone wants to hear is geriatric pregnancy. It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Congratulations. Postmenopausal <laughs> pregnancy. <laughs> that's, that's my condition. So we've got the blood work done. We've got her urine, I guess. Yeah. In terms of the serology, keep in mind, uh, I guess MMR, MMR vaccines contraindicated in pregnancy as it's a live vaccine. Folic acid in terms of supplement, it, it, it can depend if they have any risk factors. Um, of course, if uh, any malabsorptive uh, symptoms, no, sorry, uh, syndromes, um, uh, various, um, you know, uh, rheumatologic uh, illness, there are different doses of folic acid, but their specialists would help you uh, guide that dosing. Um, in terms of that first meeting too, I'll, I'll usually counsel just around like safe practices uh, during pregnancy. There's actually a great resource called pregnancyinfo.ca, um, which is a sort of an outline of safe practice, practices during pregnancy. Um, but, you know, relevant uh, caution around uh, lots of uh, large fish, so not to exceed more than two servings per week of things like tuna, uh, which, you know, lots of people do do, uh, and then, you know, other large fish, um, marlin, swordfish, don't, don't go crazy at the uh, 
at the sea, uh, seafood uh, restaurant. And then anything unpasteurized, so soft cheeses, uh, milks, pâtés, um, uh, and then uncooked meats, so smoked meats. Those are all things that you want to avoid. And then caution around green leafy vegetables for, because of E. coli risks. So making sure that those are rinsed, rinsed thoroughly. Um, so uh, important uh, dietary considerations. Otherwise, really, it's a balanced diet. We I we can tell people to cut back on caffeine. Yeah. So there, there's a re again our, without doxing ourselves. The, our guidelines are now there's no quote unquote safe amount of caffeine, but okay. the the guideline that's been used for years and years is uh, one or one cup a day. Uh, one cup a one cup a. One cup a day is fine. Um, so, you know, fewer than 300 milligram per day uh, of caffeine is is fine. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, more for exam purposes on that first visit, make sure that you get uh, all of the baseline, uh, uh, all the baseline stats on this individual. So get the vitals, get the BP, uh, baseline BP. Um, height and weight and any screening tests that would be due uh, at the time like paps uh, things like that I guess that would be more for preconception but uh, make sure you're on top of that before the pregnancy as well yeah you you can safely like there's no there's no evidence uh, early on uh, first and, tri and second trimester that pap increases risk of uh, you know uh, negative um, pregnancy outcomes toward the end of pregnancy you obviously want to avoid uh, pap even in third trimester because it's a a stimulant a stimulus for for pregnant for delivery. Uh, the trouble with first trimester pap is that if women have a spontaneous abortion, which is common, you know, twenty percent, they're going to blame it on you, right, for her um, um, for doing the pap. Um, so you know, careful. Make sure that yeah, exactly. Put, put a plug in anything. at the end. Keep the baby yeah. in there. <laughs> Put a cork in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put the uh, make sure the mucus plug is nice and secure. So that's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Um, so we had our first uh, 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 meeting in clinic. We got all of our baseline stats. We'll continue to see them every four months to twenty-eight week. And every then four months? Do you mean every four weeks? Yeah, yeah, that's probably better. I mean, I see. Yeah, I mean, if you're like a more diligent provider, I would tend to see them more frequently. Um, I think so it depends on where you are. Yeah, but uh, yeah. from what I heard, like, yeah, every one, one or two months until about 32 weeks and then increasing it from there, but based more on risk factors. Uh, but then more so... We see them to 28 weeks and then we hand them over to gynae. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So at, at those subsequent routine visits, this is a ding uh, ding ding ding. This is a uh, uh, clinical uh, uh, an exam pearl as well. So there's the questions that you should ask at every routine visit. Has there been any bleeding? Any gush of fluid? Any cramping? Can you detect fetal movement? Um, and if there is any concerns around fetal movement, they can do some counting, and there should be six fetal movements within two hours. Uh, or any dysuria. So at, at every meeting, bleeding, gush of fluid, cramping, fetal movements, dysuria. Um, so that should that should be done routinely. Usually, normally it's the it's the so-called four cardinal questions. 
so excluding dysuria, but we we usually ask about dysuria as well. I think fetal, fetal movements. I uh, just, I think they would begin around eighteen weeks. So that yeah. that's, that should be your marker. Um, in the first trimester, like weeks one through twelve, um, in terms of typical symptoms, you would expect uh, amenorrhea, nausea and vomiting, uh, breast tenderness and enlargement, uh, fatigue, uh, as well as weight gain. You know, like a a couple of kilograms, not like nothing too crazy there. Um, and uh, the uterus uh, won't be palpable at the symphysis pubis until about 12 weeks. And then in the second uh, trimester is when the nausea and vomiting or the uh, nausea and the fatigue would be diminishing and the pregnancy at that point would be more visible. You'll have the fetal movements at the 18 week mark. Um, and yeah, I guess around that point, uh, uh, with the screening questions, we would be more concerned about things like preeclampsia, um, diabetes, um, uh, and uh, and then later on more fetal complications as well, like uh, growth restriction and um, preterm labor. Nice. Yeah. So it, I, I mean, th this is not something you'll need to memorize for uh typically for testing purposes but just uh you, you mentioned that so re remember at around 20 weeks 18 to 20 weeks you're going to do the anatomy scan that's often delayed for obese women uh just so, just so you're aware um and then at the 24 to 28 uh, uh, uh week interval so typically your last visit um, you'll repeat cbc antibodies and then do the diabetes screening, which locally is a oral glucose challenge test. So that's typically what we're going to do. You're going to do in general practice, um, uh, because you're you may be writing uh, uh, end of rotation uh, uh, exams um, in obstetrics or or. Uh, step exams, just be aware that um, at 28 week is when you would consider ROGAM to RH negative women. That's a, its own little topic, but I, I think you can look that up on your own. Um, and then closer to full term, 35 to 37 weeks, so typically the last appointment before uh, anticipated delivery, that's when you would do the GBS screen, so the group B strep. Uh, which would, if, if present, would indicate prophylactic antibiotic during uh, delivery, even if it's planned C-section, by the way. Nice. So that's, uh, those are some helpful other routine uh, uh, screening. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I totally neglected uh, uh, genetic abnormalities screening. Do you, do you want to comment on that, either, either of you? Well, I was going to say, what, what, is our, what is our main uh, screening tool for Down syndrome? Around the 12 week mark, uh, you can do the nuchal translucency scan, which basically looks at the thickness of skin at the back of the baby's neck, or I guess at that point, more like edema of the embryo. Um, and then if that is increased, then that's a marker of um, Down syndrome or uh, potentially heart failure, but uh, for exam purposes, Down syndrome. That's so that's using conjunction with a, a blood test. Yeah. Um, to risk stratify around uh, Down syndrome. I would still, locally, that's still the most common form of prenatal screening. And it, it's, it screens for a few other syndromes as well. Um, with that said, increasingly cell-free DNA uh, has become uh, a preferred uh, way of screening. 
uh, it's not covered locally. Um, that is, it's, uh, it's private pay. But you can do cell-free DNA, uh, and it has a sensitivity and specificity of greater than 99% for these various trisomies, 21, 18, 16, um, and then other micro-deletions. Um, and uh, it uh, can be offered as early as nine weeks. And the other thing is you can get baby's gender or, or whatever sex, yeah, whatever you call it. It, basically, the way it works is it'll it'll measure the amount of uh, fragments of DNA in the plasma that are attributed to the fetus, and then if there's an overrepresentation of certain chromosomes, like like in trisomy twenty one, then that will be detected. And same for the yeah the sex of the baby as well. Yeah, um, but it, what's important there is you still need to do uh, the translucency ultrasound um, because there's. Uh, uh, what do you call them? Core defects that can appear on, excuse me, neural tube defects that can appear on nuchal translucency ultrasound in that sort of 11 to 14 week uh, interval. Good. I think that was great. I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a lot to this topic, but hopefully that was a useful um, outline. I'll, I'll just, I'll add one thing because it comes up all the time, not necessarily on exams, but appropriate weight gain for, for normal weight women. It may not be dramatic during the first trimester, okay? But weight gain, um, you know, particularly toward middle, second trimester into third trimester, may be on the order of one pound per week. So that's sort of a little useful um, uh, uh, tool to remember. And in, in second trimester, women should be eating a little bit more. I, I typically say in second and third trimester, it's on the order of a, an additional 400 calories uh, per day, which is similar to what uh, the additional calorie, caloric requirements are in a breastfeeding uh, woman. So around 400, okay? So hopefully that's useful. And then, of course, for um, obese women, things are different. But uh, for normal weight, uh, beginning, middle, second trimester, it's usually about a pound uh, per week which can be dramatic for some people. They're like, holy shit, why am I gaining so much weight? For overweight women, would you even recommend that they increase their calories at all? No. Um, yeah, so no. Uh, and uh, the, there are some like super obese women, and, and typically you're going to be, they're going to be followed by high-risk uh, obstetrics. Right. But um, where like weight gain is not even appropriate. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Like some of these like super obese women that have like reasonably successful pregnancies. It's like, holy cow, <laughs> no pun intended. I don't know how that, <laughs> that works, but um, it's, uh, it's amazing. So um, yeah, but they are, they are high risk. So they probably should see high risk obstetrics. The biggest risk factors of course are macrosomia. So like a really big baby. Right. Uh, and, and then delivery becomes risky. So making sure the sugar is tightly controlled during the pregnancy can help prevent that. But that's a separate talk topic. But yeah, I think that was good. Like that was a very, uh, hopefully a dense podcast. And, you know, I'm glad that we were sort of able to put our differences aside there. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was reasonably civil. Yeah, it was mostly civil. <laughs> Yeah, but as soon as we turn the recording off, it's it's pandemonium. Uh, yeah. Drop yeah. the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the guillotine's the, coming down again. The pop, the pop filter is coming off my mic. I'm preparing the gallows as we speak. <laughs> anyway, this has been a, a whirlwind tour of antenatal care, and we thank you for your attention. Yep. Leave five stars. <laughs> <laughs>